everyone, and welcome to episode four of Lens Sense. Yes, we need to discuss Mother's Day. So yesterday was Mother's Day, mm-hmm. May what eighth, two thousand twenty-two. Mm-hmm. Um, Mother's Day is a is a pretty big day for a lot of people, especially in the adoptive community. Um, but I also think that it's it's kind of a mixture of emotions, at least for me as an adoptee. Um, and you maybe could give a little bit of testimony on your wife's experience. Um, but I'll start with like my, what, what I usually do for Mother's Day. Um, I, I do have contact with my birth mother, but currently I don't have her number. So I didn't even wish her a happy mother's day so i feel so bad, terrible really. <laughs> i'm the worst <laughs> um but if she's listening happy mother's day <laughs> i called my mom when i had a chance to talk to her and she says you're just now thinking of me <laughs> i've been busy with the kids and stuff all day yeah it, this actually this mother's day was different because uh i live in texas now with my husband and it's our fir- first mother's day together we're still in our first year of marriage so um, my mom lives in Georgia and we called her later in the evening. Um, and I don't always, I'm not always with my mom on Mother's Day. So I actually usually call her anyways. And um, we had a good chat. We three weighed with my brother, Lucas. Um, and so, yeah, my, I had to wait though till the evening because my husband was at work. I mean, it's a whole thing. So, <laughs> Um, but yeah, typically I call my adoptive mom, um, or if I'm able to spend it with her in person, we do something like go out to eat and she loves the outdoors. So maybe a botanical garden if it's open. Um, but yeah. Was it ever awkward growing up? Uh, no, I always was the person that would. I'm like the thoughtful person in my family. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'd be like, Hey everybody, I'm going to get my mom a gift. And sometimes my siblings would pay me, but most of the time not. So <laughs> I would just get her a gift and say it's from all of us. <laughs> I was that child. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, I've always celebrated mother's day. Cause I, I am very attached to my mom. Um, mm-hmm. I think I talked about this in a, another epi- uh, a previous episode. Like I was the emotional so- support for my mom. Mm-hmm. She always tells me that my older brother Lucas taught her how to love, and I taught her that she could be loved. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, That's sweet. No pressure, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Forget um, the other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, um, yeah, but now that I'm an adult and she's more self-aware, uh, she's actually able to be more of a support to me. (laughs) Um, so I've had a lot of anxiety the last year and she's been really helpful in that manner, but she's also a physician. So (laughs) she's Mm -hmm. always wanting to fix things (laughs) because of that. Like that's her nature. Yeah. I think that um, just kind of on this topic, I don't know about you, you know, I have a, a, a lot of different friends on in social media from all different places, you know, um, different parts of the country, different walks of life. 
um, people who think differently than I do, who vote differently than I do, I, a lot of mixture. I think it's good for us. But um, one of the things that I noticed was kind of a trend from friends who are adoptees and their publications in social media, the things that they shared, and friends who are adoptive parents and the things that they shared. Um, and it was interesting to kind of look at that contrast because I, I noticed that for a lot of parents, particularly new adoptive parents, um, mm. um, people who have kids that have been home less than a year or so or two years, you know, um, that are looking for a lot of encouragement because their adopted child wasn't um, as conscientious of the day, you know, it wasn't yeah. as aware or thoughtful. And um, there were some parents who said, you know, they didn't get anything, they didn't get, uh, you know, happy Mother's Day, or we joked about it in our house, because uh, three of my kids got my wife something, but then the other one, he just, he told her, here's your gift and turned around and farted on her and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> He's been home about a, a year and a half now. And so, so yeah, it, it's just every kid's different. That is <laughs> and, so funny. And um, so we joked about it and she did, you know, she's, she's been in the game a while. So she, she didn't have her feelings hurt or anything, right. but there are a lot of parents out there who um, for whatever reason, you know, that's specific to them, they really want that recognition, you know, moms on mother's day, dads on father's day. I think more so moms on mother's day though. Um, but um, but yeah, I noticed that there were several that uh, in my feed that, you know, weren't necessarily complaining, but were just looking for some encouragement, some affirmation in their role because they, you know, it's, it's as an adoptive parent, I can speak to this, but it's, it's hard. It's, it's sacrificial and it's difficult. And it's, you know, there are days that you don't know if you can get through it sometimes. And that's not to diminish or ignore what the adoptive child, the, the adoptee goes through and what they've been through to reach that point. We're not, you know, comparing, you know, we're not having this competition to see who had it worse. Um, we acknowledge and validate those emotions in, in, in both parties, you know, in, in everybody. Um, but it's hard when you put forth something and you want that recognition. And as parents, as adoptive parents, we need to realize that, that, you know, being, parenting is a, is, a thankless job. <laughs> um, you know, I, yeah. I remember as an adult thinking, oh my goodness, the things that I've put my mom through, you know, because I see my kids, but, oh, yeah. you know? <laughs> but, um, but there's a lot of that type of emotion that that's going on. So as an adoptee, what do you, what's your take on, on kind of that trend <laughs> on, on that, that topic? Well, I want to say, first of all, that, um, I think I can't, like I've said before, I can't speak for the adoptee community, but um, being that I am involved in um, some online groups of mm -hmm. adoptees, I do know that a lot of them would not receive that well at all. Mm -hmm. um, and I can understand their response because one, we didn't choose to be adopted. We didn't choose to be put up for adoption. We didn't choose to be put in whatever family we end up in, you know, and, and people can say that even with their natural born families, you know, like we didn't choose the family we were born into either. Right. Like, 
Um, but there's not that inherent sense of loss that's attached to it. That And that is where the difference is. Um, I think uh, as an adoptee, that would make me feel like uh, an object. Like, okay, so if I'm just here to make you feel loved, mm. then that's where my value is going to feel like it comes from. Mm -hmm. And I can say from my experience, my mom didn't purposefully do this, but because I was her emotional support and I did make her feel loved, like I would get recognized more because of that. Um, I felt like at least. And so for a long time, that's where my value came from, where I felt like Mm -hmm. if I wasn't pleasing my mom (laughs) or making her feel loved, then I wasn't doing my job here on earth. And that's a lot of weight on your shoulders as a child. Mm -hmm. And then going into, you know, adolescence. Um, Yeah, that's very, that's very eye-opening. The, the, some of the things that you're saying, because it, you know, I think for most of us, when we speak, when we do, when we expect, we don't have ill intent. We're not wanting to hurt someone. We're not wanting to, you know, belittle someone. We're not wanting to devalue somebody. Um, But it's really hard sometimes to get our focus past our own feelings, our own kind of thoughts and wounds. And I think it, you know, as parents, as adoptive parents, listening to what you're saying, you know, as an adoptee about your value and, you know, what, you know, how you're seen, whether that's a person or an object. And, and I think it's important to, to understand just kind of that dynamic of, you know, I, I may want you to appreciate me and to love me and to all these things to validate the sacrifice I've made, to validate my feeling of, of, you know, I've given, you know, when you read books about, you know, love and uh, reciprocating love and affection, and you read books about like the love language. And if this is your love language, you know, you make sure you give it this way, but then, you know, give it to other people with this other language, whether it's gifts or acts of service or whatever it may be. We, a lot of times, I think mistakenly think that we should get that reciprocation from our children And we don't realize that really for the most part of parenting, love is not a reciprocal thing with us. We, that goes one direction towards our kids as we raise them. And when they're older and established and, you know, they're a full person, a whole person, (laughs) then they can begin to reciprocate that, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I think though, a lot of people, especially like parents, who adopt they greatly desire to feel like a parent and to feel Mm -hmm. that um I I mean I I don't even know I'm not a parent myself so I can't you might be able to describe what it is that you like you hope to um feel to make you feel like a parent yeah. Um, and I know a lot I of people that, like that deep sense of wanting to be needed, wanting to yeah. wanting to have that role that you're the person that they lean to and lean on. Yeah, I get that. But again, like we're not here to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like we're just trying to 
survive, <laughs> get through <laughs> life, figure out who we are. <laughs> um, I'm, I, and I do hope that for families, I do hope that, you know, both parent and child can have that mutual love, but it, mm-hmm. it often it's not the case. And I think yeah. that's, that's where parents get really discouraged. Um, but it, it's complicated and every it child is, very, is different. Yeah. You never know. And I would say too, that love is oftentimes reciprocated by our adopted children. It just looks differently than sometimes than we want it to look, you know, sometimes we want the grand gesture, the big, I love you and the card with the drawing and the whatever on the special day or your birthday or Christmas or whatever it may be. Um, But sometimes the love that they show is they were out and about and their emotions were dysregulated and they were able to calm themselves to not make a scene and were quiet on the way home and not stress and didn't stress you. And for them, that's a deep expression that's of love for you because they control them. Yeah. And we forget that those are expressions of love. And we, and we kind of expect this reciprocation that reciprocation, that's kind yeah. of a hard word. Is that <laughs> um, <laughs> we expect to see a certain thing you know we want this behavior and it doesn't always look like that I mean it it, it's so complex that's why I I try to always say like I can't speak for other adoptees like because we're literally all so different even within Mm -hmm. the same family like me and my brother we are starkly different um as far as like our attachment to my mom Um, Mm -hmm. I'm like very attached where he's detached and I don't mean to say that in like a bad way but I think a lot of adoptive families could probably relate to that (laughs) Um, and the level of independence is a lot higher I think among most of our our adopted kids Um, you know just because they have had that attachment trauma throughout in development they've been they've suffered loss and um, been separated from loved ones. And um, there's that fear there and we can work and invest. And a lot of kids can learn to um, build healthy relationships in the future. Um, But there's still a lot of baggage that gets carried around there. And and kids, you know, I have a, one of mine has been with me since he was three. Um, He couldn't, um, when he came uh, to be part of our family, he couldn't speak. It wasn't potty trained. We we worked really hard and um, just investing in him. And um, he's a great young man. You know, he's um, did a really sweet, uh, really outdid me for Mother's Day and <laughs> um, <in> his gift <laughs> for, for Ashley. Um, but uh, he's real sweet, but he's also really independent. He's my kid that can go off for a week or two someplace else. He doesn't <laughs> so have true. to call home. He doesn't have he to He was call not home, home la- when I visited <laughs> you guys last. He wasn't even there. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, and that doesn't, it's not that he doesn't love us. He's just a lot more independent, you know, and, yeah. um, you know, and he shows his love in different ways. You know, if he sees that, that I'm feeling bad and I have a migraine or something, he'll turn the light off and, you know, I was going to say he's very thoughtful. Yeah. You know, and, and we'll check on us and, and everything. And, um, and so that all of my kids actually, you know, they show their love in different ways and it's not always the way that I might want, you know, I might (laughs) prefer, but I have to accept that that's their gift to me, you know, and, and I need to treasure that gift no matter what it looks like. 
And I think it, it would be good to remind parents, particularly moms, that your, your kids may be showing you love in ways that you don't expect it. Look for that and value that. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, what you said, Lily, about feeling like an object, you know, that I'm supposed to make you feel loved or make you feel valued. Um, that's, that's a dangerous uh, mentality to have. It's a dangerous feeling to yeah. feel. Um, it's, it, it puts walls between you. And I think that, um, that it's important to recognize that our adopted kids may be struggling with those feelings, with those types of emotions. And the last thing I want to say, I know I'm, I'm talking a lot right now, <laughs> <laughs> No, you're fine. but, um, w- one of the things I love that you said was, um, that we are just surviving and that, you know, that really resonate, resonated with the experiences that I've discussed with other people about the kind of the worldview, the outlook on life for a lot of adoptees is that I am making do with what I have and I'm trying to get to a point yes. where I can maybe rest, maybe be me, find my identity. And that's something that for kids that are growing, I mean, it doesn't matter if you adopted a baby or if you adopted a teen or you adopted a a five-year-old at whatever point they came into your life, they're still going to struggle for years to develop this identity. Who am I as a person? Where's my place in this world? You know, um, I, you know, I was raised by a single mom. I never had a relationship with my biological father. Um, I never had really very many um, father figures in my life other than an uncle and my brother. And, um, but I remember struggling just because of that with my identity thinking, you know, I wonder if my dad likes the same food as I do. I wonder if he, um, you know, if he has the same inclinations. I wonder if we, you know, whatever, looking for those similarities and differences. Um, and I, I would assume that for, for adopted kids that they go through that as well, thinking, I wonder what my bio family did here, where they came from, what do they like, what are their interests, all of those questions that pertain to their identity as a person. Yeah, I think uh, for sure I had those questions. Um, and this that's where I differ with my brother who was also adopted. Um you know, I had all of the curiosities, like ever since I can remember, I always thought I want to meet my biological family one day. Like, I just couldn't wait to like, try to find them. Um, And my brother, however, he never had any desire for that. He never, um, he never wanted to even like visit where our biological families are from. And, um, it wasn't until like a couple of years ago, he was like, you know, if you ever went to the islands, I would go with you. Um, but it, it, he prior to that never had any desire to know who his birth parents are. I think he still feels that way. Um, his story is a lot different. His parents couldn't feed him. He was two months or maybe a month in some odd days old when my mom was presented with this malnourished child like hey would you adopt this child and Mm -hmm. um she was working in the Marshall Islands I I don't think it was with the Peace Corps but something similar an organization similar to that 
um, shortly after getting her tropical medicines degree. Yeah. She adopted him and brought him back to the States. Interestingly enough, they ended up in Texas, but moved to Georgia to be closer to one of my mom's sisters. Um, And that's when I came into the picture. Actually, my mom came into, my birth mother came into the picture in Texas, but then they moved and I was born in Georgia. So um anyways i i've always had a desire i'm writing all this information down so i can fill out a credit card application in your name by the way (laughs) okay (laughs) i will not tell you what hospital i was born in (laughs) anyways (laughs) um um, but yeah i i've always wanted to know my birth mother because my entire extended family and maybe even you got to meet my birth mother um, and so they can tell me stories of her. <laughs> um, she was kind of funny and, um, I don't know, just, I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, my, <laughs> my story compared to my brother's stories, I mean, I, I try not to compare stories, but <laughs> mm-hmm. I just feel like if I were him, I'd probably feel the same way. Like, yeah, you can empathize with, with, I can empathize with him as to why he wouldn't want to know who they are. Yeah. It's just really, really sad. Um, Mm -hmm. but I'm really happy because he's my brother. (laughs) (laughs) Selfishly, I'm glad, (laughs) but yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, has your, has your mom ever talked about, what it's like for her on Mother's Day as an adoptive parent? Has she ever? Um, sort of. I, I think she gets a little sad because, um, because I'm the closest to her mm-hmm. and she would really like to be close to all of my siblings. Um, my other siblings were fostered, but she still... Like she takes care of my um, oldest brother's children all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, he was never officially adopted, but like that's her son as well. And like yeah, I don't yeah. even think he calls his mother mom. Like they they never lost connection with their biological parents. They just lived yeah. in the states with my mom because they they were friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my mom didn't want to send them into a bad situation. So she just kept them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, yeah, I think she gets a little bit sad because my other siblings don't really reach out to her. Um, but I, I try to make sure at least Lucas and I do. Um, yeah. Um, my, my siblings are very detached. <laughs> That's their <laughs> attachment style. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so for, for any adoptive parents out there that are concerned that their kids are, have forgotten Mother's Day or don't love them or whatever, what would you, your response to them, I'm assuming would be don't, don't take it personal. Uh, yeah, I, I would just, I wouldn't assume that it's because of you. I would assume it's because they don't want to think about mothers <laughs> not because uh-huh. they don't love you but because it's hard especially mm-hmm. if they still are able to have contact with their biological mother like that's complicated 
Um, yeah. even, even though I'm like, I'm on good terms with my birth mother. Like, like I said, I don't, I don't know her phone number. She hasn't tried to reach out to me. I, mm-hmm. she always makes a new Facebook page. So I just, <laughs> a few months ago, I deleted all of the Facebook pages that she had. Cause I was like, I don't know which one is her. Like she, I don't know <laughs> if she loses her password and just doesn't know how to recover yeah. her account or what, but, um, yeah, I, I, I do feel kind of bad, but I do try to reach out through my sisters, my biological sisters, mm-hmm. because they are in closer contact with her because they were raised by her. Um, yeah. So I try to say like, hey, is she okay? <laughs> um, <laughs> and they'll let me know. But but yeah, I I would say it's just a complicated day for adoptees. Um and I have no idea, like, I can only speak from my experience, like, what I feel. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, I'm going to be vulnerable and admit that I have a hard time not parenting fr- from shame. Um, like, that was kind what of my... Well, I'm about to explain it, Lily. I just played. Okay, get there. So, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so um, no, like, so I love my mom. She's she's great. You know, my mom. Everybody knows her as Aunt Gail, regardless of if you're family or not. Uh, she's fam, and you know, uh, she loves everybody and is a giver and you know just real sensitive. But she's, I think, she struggled a lot because of the life that she's lived with with like some self-esteem or whatever. And so growing up, if we didn't behave or if we forgot something or didn't do something, it was always, you know, do you love me? You know, if you loved me, I thought, I think you would do this, you know, or, you know, if you loved me, you would clean your room. Or if you loved me, you would tell me happy birthday. If you loved me, you would do this. And like, I know her well enough and love (laughs) her past that. I don't have any, bitterness you know <laughs> in me to- you know towards her but I recognize how that can instill shame and I see myself I she's I listening know, to this I know I know <laughs> I'm gonna get a phone call but um, I see myself doing the same thing sometimes because that thought is in my mind if they really loved me they would blah 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 uh, you know, yeah. the blame, whatever what is, is that there there's a name for that like learning something through re- re- repetitive conditioning anyways yeah yeah <laughs> so so anyway so I see my I see myself doing that with my kids and my my oldest poor Edson he's you know <laughs> he probably got the the blunt of it because it was he was the one that that made me realize <laughs> and and kind of change to get ready for you know the other ones as they hit the teen years um because that was when I mostly wanted to use it because teens oh my goodness that's why my beard is gray um they're just (laughs) hard but no I remember saying you know like if you love me you won't lie to me and then like what do teens do and they don't want to get in trouble they lie (laughs) and then I'm like laying in bed like they don't love me they're just telling me lies and all of these, all of my <laughs> issues would then surface. And I'm like, you know, I'm thinking back, to, like, 
my kids being a teenager and I'm sitting here thinking back to the abandonment of my dad thinking, you know, my kids are going to, you know, they're going to turn 18 and, and run away and never talk to me again, you know, like this fear of whatever. And so I had this strong tendency to kind of shame them into things like, you know, if, you know, all right, come on, let's do this. Let's show mom you love her, you know, or let's should, you know, show me you love me and <laughs> kind of put this in their head that, that, that they have to constantly do this to make people feel loved around them. And, mm. and that's not healthy, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, before anybody like starts wanting to like write me an email or something about how awful I am, I recognize that and I'm not perfect. No parent is. Um, but I think that that is something that we struggle with when we adopt and we want a certain type of effect affection to come from our adopted kids. And we expect that. And we, for whatever reason, turn it into, they must not love me the way I want them to love me. Or they, you know, they must not think about me as much as I would hope they think about me, or this is not being, you know, does that make sense? So I, so, I have a question. Okay. Um. So I, my, my mom didn't go through like a traditional way of adopting. Um. So I don't, I'm not actually super versed on um the the whole process because i i do know that you kind of changed a lot over the years too i'm sure it's changed quite a bit uh with you know laws having been rearranged or changed or added um Mm -hmm. but uh in your recent process um and i know that was like that took a long time but did you have to do, like, was it mandatory for you as an adoptive parent to go through counseling before, like, as part of the process? So, no. Um, do you get evaluated? It depends on, on how you're adopting. So, for instance, for our international adoption program, mm-hmm. um, for the country that we were adopting from, um, and I think most of your Hague countries are going to require this. I'm not sure about the others. Um, but they had, you had to obviously have a home study for any adoption. Um, but then also they required a psychological evaluation, which was kind of like a, a personality yeah. test. Yeah. Um, and you, okay. you have to meet with a psychologist, um, like two, at least two sessions. And then they write up a report, basically they're, you know, what they think about your personality. So it's not your like a super in-depth. It's not very in-depth. And as far as the home study goes, you know, that's not therapeutic. It's just taking down data. Right. Um, that's what it's And of course, like. anybody <laughs> adopting wants to, wants to put their, their best foot forward. So, you know, nobody's going <laughs> to talk gonna, about yeah. you know, Uncle Larry with sure. the weird eye that looks at the kids. So know, like, in the, in the foster care system, and I know that varies by state, is that, is the process more meticulous as far as? My experience was no. My experience was that foster care was a lot less meticulous than than the adoption. Um, now there's a lot more bureaucracy, so a lot of like little, you know, a lot of paperwork type things. Um, but I felt more vetted um, when we did our international adoption versus the foster adoptions. Um, I will say that, you know, depending on the program that you adopt through, if it's a private agency they require you to go through certain trainings. And so like we had to read a uh, book that I recommend to everyone still, cause we read it 
like 10 years ago, 12 years ago, however many years ago it was, um, called The Connected Child. I think every adoptive parent or anyone considering adoption should read The Connected Child by Karen Purvis. But um, so we read that book. We had to do, I think, three sessions, no, two sessions as part of our home study with a marriage counselor, um, that that was one of their requirements. But not all home studies require that. The home study we were using, um, the agency was a Christian agency, and so they required it, uh, which was great. We, you know, good discussion. Um, But I don't think there's enough push for parents to deal with their own issues. Um, You know, when you talk about parenting and you sign this thing saying, you know, you're not going to spank and you're not going to, you know, do this. And and they go through and and they you have to go through like training and understanding trauma and all stuff, which is great stuff. It's it's great material. I think it's all needed, but there's not enough there for parents to evaluate themselves, I think. Um, And part of that is just because it would be really complicated because there's so many different experiences. You know, one parent may be parenting from shame, another parent may be parenting from, you know, from perspective of abuse that they suffered, you know, or another from, you know, seeing their parents divorce and remarry three or four times, or, you know, there's all these different experiences that, that come up in different ways um, as a parent, but I definitely think there needs to be more of a push for adoptive parents to accept counseling. You know, a lot of people yeah. think, well, I don't have any issues right now. Well, you will. <laughs> to, yeah, to, you have to you be know, somewhat parenting, prepared. Yes, parenting brings out all your flaws, and adoptive parenting yeah. does it really well. And you know, there are things that you won't recognize until you're in that situation. And so it's so important that parents get that. I tell parents all the time through Ophoros when we're doing, when I'm doing parent coaching, you know, if they're preparing for an adoption, go get counseling, talk to someone, find a therapist so that you have that relationship already. So that when the things come up, you can call them up, call your therapist and say, Hey, I need to talk through this, you know? Um, but yeah, I think it's it's very important, but it, it is not something that is as um, pushed or required as I think it should be. Yeah, I just feel like, um, in a, I don't know if you can hear the background noise, sorry. Um, I just feel like, you know, after you explaining, you know, how you, you were parenting from shame for a mm-hmm. while, um, and and like that could happen within a natural family it, I mean, like I understand mm-hmm. that but I mean you know it, it it can be very complicated when you add in the traumas of an adoptive child oh, yeah. um, and and some of that is before they even discover who they are like before they go through the identity crisis because mm-hmm. of different like behavior issues perhaps or you know just it's just so complex but um Mm -hmm. I I just wonder do you feel like not I don't know I just had this I thought like I don't want to make it more complicated for parents to adopt (laughs) um you know what I mean and and I think other adoptees might like hate that I said that but (laughs) but I I also do want there to be some kind of requirement, perhaps maybe a, a group therapy session 
mm-hmm. um, um, similar to, I mean, well, it, it's self. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's important. We, you know, and I, and I wrote, actually wrote a, uh, a blog um, recently kind of on this topic about when you adopt, you adopt trauma. And uh, one of my, you know, one of the five tips I listed in there was find a counselor, get to know a therapist for yourself, um, normalize that, you know, and because there's such a, a stigma, I think, in our society that we don't, you know, we, we think we're weak if we have to do that. Um, even a lot of adoptive parents, you know, I need to find a counselor for my, my child as soon as we get home. That's great. I love that they're thinking about their mental health and wanting to make sure that they have a counselor lined up for their child, but they need somebody for them. That's their therapist, not a family therapist. That's their therapist to work on their issues. Um, I think that's so important, you know, and actually every person in my family, but one, has a therapist <laughs> and the one that doesn't will probably get one this year just because I, I think it would be a good idea for her to talk to her just to come out. She has no issues. There's no reason. There's nothing that would say, Hey, you need to go see a counselor, but I understand the importance of mental health and I want to make sure everybody's good. I want to normalize that behavior yeah. so that in the future, my kids won't be afraid to go ask for help when they need it. Well, and, and any therapist will tell you they have a therapist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and even in the good times, it's always good to have one. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, like, I definitely advocate for that. Um, I just wasn't sure. Man, there's so many different avenues, I guess, for adoption. Um, there are. And I think the problem is, is that there's so many ideas that are perpetuated that are not really based in whole truths you know some of it's like half truths or it's kind of true like um you know you'll see threads that say like um especially with the adopt with the abortion debate right now with the every you know everything going on in the news about um roe v wade and if they're going to overturn it or not and there's you know all these debates from you know the pro-life side the pro-choice side and everyone's arguing and I hate seeing adoption (laughs) tossed in that argument um on either side I I just I I don't like yeah um, I I don't either I, 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 I think that that's inappropriate but um but anyway you see this you know people saying you know adopt and um someone's I read a comment once uh, a couple of days ago that said, and I've seen this comment several times over the years, um, something to the effect of, well, if, if it wasn't so expensive to adopt, more families would adopt. Um, I think that's false. <laughs> um, and the reason I think that's false is because adoption comparatively can be expensive. When someone hears you know, $30,000 for an adoption. Oh my goodness, that sounds outrageous. Uh, Well, first of all, adopting through foster care is virtually free. You don't pay anything. I think with our foster adoption, we paid. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's right. We got paid a subsidies while they were in our house until we finalized their adoption. Mm -hmm. Um, And if it's a special needs child or sibling group, a lot of states continue to pay those those stipends until they're 18. Yeah. And so that's not an issue there. Um, but when you look at, you know, domestic and international adoptions, the private adoptions that are, yes, they're between, you know, what, 20 and 40,000 when you factor in all of the costs together. But people don't, don't understand that that's 
that's several things together. That's, you know, you're paying, you know, 2000 here for the home study. You're paying, you know, a thousand here to the government for a, a form you have to fill out and that includes a background, a federal background check and child, re- you know, child abuse registry check in the States and all these different things. So it's all of these different amounts that add up to this larger amount over a span of usually one to two years. Um, and so when you, when you look at it that way, it's, it's not much different from you paying, you know, semester tuition for a college degree or financing a, an automobile or buying that boat or RV that you want to have. And I, and in this case, we're not buying a child. We're investing in providing an environment for a child to, to heal and to, to find stability and to redeem that story. Um, and so I get frustrated at the whole, well, if it was cheaper, more people would do it. I don't think that's the case. I think that the reason few people adopt comparatively um, is because few people want to invest the sacrifice. It's, it's difficult. And the sad thing, the thing that makes me sad is everybody talks about the number of families waiting for babies. When we have 120,000 kids that are probably going to age out of the system, in the U.S. because they're older and no one wants to adopt the child with special needs or the child with behavior issues or the child with, you know, health issues or the child that's, you know, too old or different religion or whatever it may be. The people waiting and the people want to adopt, they want to adopt a baby that has no issues that they can raise to be their own because they want to use that child to fulfill something in themselves. And I think that's really a really dangerous perspective on adoption. The purpose of adoption is not to to fill a void in the parent. The purpose of adoption is to is to redeem a broken situation for a child that has that needs a place to grow and be safe. Um, Yeah, I I will say that the adoptive community is very vocal about getting that point across. And there are several adoptive family influencers that, uh, that consider adopt the adoptee community haters, I'm air quoting. Um, and that really bothers me because, you know, like, Hey man, one, one day your adoptive child or children will be grown and they'll be in that community and they're going to wonder, like, it's why so do you Im- call these people haters? Like, they have not only their mm-hmm. opinions, but they have a right to say, like, hey, we want you to want your child to have a, a healthy future. Mm-hmm. Here's a realistic viewpoint from an adoptee. Well, in um, valuing those voices in turns teaches the adopted child that their voice has value. Yes. If, I, if my adopted children see me ignoring and silencing adoptive voices, what do they think about their own voice? Yeah, exactly. So but yeah, I um, think it's it's really important that we that we realize. I think I say it's really important a lot. Everything is important that we talk about. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> highlight everything we're saying. Okay. <laughs> How do you highlight no, what you it, hear? It is true, though. Like, um, I, I just I like that you you brought that point up though because I don't think a lot of people are aware, especially people who are not even connected to the adoptive community like they just know Mm -hmm. somebody perhaps that 
is adopted or is adopting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's important to realize that adoption is um, is meant to house, to home, to to bring somebody into adulthood that you know doesn't have any other you know they don't have parents to bring them into adulthood um and and i just i I like that you brought that up that it's it's not for people to fill that void to become a parent um to be loved it's about helping a child out that you know they have no other option Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it there's so many generalizations and stereotypes and ideas out there that that people don't realize the damage they perpetuate by by saying them or repeating them. You know, everything from you know, well, what made you decide to adopt? Could you not have children of your own? That question I get asked a lot. You know. <laughs> Um, and it's like, okay, well, Gosh. that it's hard question to answer because you know, it's you. There's so many issues with that statement. There's so yeah. many. It's you know, um, from the fact that I consider these children my own children, like I love them as if they were mine, but at the same time, I recognize and validate their past and their loss, and you know, this right. additional uh, part of their identity. You know, um, the the purpose for adoption was to provide a family to a child, not yeah. a child to a family for us. Yeah. And so regardless of whether or not we could have biological children, that wasn't the primary fuel for our choice. Whereas I realized that there are a lot of families who that is their primary fuel for their choice. Um, I have some good friends, adoptive friends, and who they have... Um, infertility issues and can't have bio children and they've got um some beautiful adopted kids that that they love and take good care of and um we're all kind of struggling to making sure we do the best that we can by them and um but regardless of of what prompted a person to consider adoption we have to maintain in mind that this is for the child that our goal is to redeem as much of their story as possible, to give them the strength to stand on their own two feet, to find their God-given yeah. identity, and to to embrace who they are and be as a healthy and productive member of society as possible. And if that means that they go 18 years, however many years of being adopted in my home, only to call me Seth and not dad. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> um, that's not the case for my kids. I mean, well, I actually have one who he, he refers to me as dad when he talks to other people, but he always calls me fatty. Um, <laughs> that is my, my, <laughs> it so, would be one of your children. <laughs> right. And, so I, and I don't know if it's because he has an issue saying dad, maybe it's uncomfortable <laughs> for him, but you know what, as much as I would love to be like, Hey, call me dad, you know, I'm not going to do that because yeah. that, that's his, that's his place. I I can choose to see the ways that he loves me and the ways that he looks to me as his father. And I choose to recognize that he has a history and I'm sure that he, you know, in his, his bio father that died when he was young, I'm sure that he looks to that 
you know, to that bio father and with a lot of love and admiration and his memory, I don't want to taint that, you know, yeah. I can still love him and, and it's, I can be jealous. That's okay. That's valid too. You know, um, our feelings are valid. There's feelings aren't bad. We embrace all of them. We accept all of them, but we don't let those feelings control us. We don't let those provoke our relationships. We make better choices, valuing the other person. But yeah, it's, I feel like we could talk for days on yeah. this topic. Well, um, to wrap up this episode, I want to pose a cre- question for next time. <laughs> All right. And try not to answer it now. Um, I will try. <laughs> so as an adoptive parent, how do you feel about those who say you know, um, natural born parents have a deeper natural instinctive connection with their children. And that's something you could never experience because you've adopted your child or children. Good topic. I would (laughs) love to answer that question. Yes. I just want to step on the adoptive. Yeah, I just want to step on the the parents' uh, toes. Oh yeah, we can step on everybody's toes. This is a real and raw discussion (laughs) on perspective. (laughs) But um, but yeah, I think that sounds great. So I will. It's so hard not answering that because I have all of the answers in my brain trying to bottleneck through my mouth um but anyway great question we'll tackle that next week (laughs) everybody listening thank you for listening enjoy your week and we'll see you next week yes